Father, I pray that as we come into the doors and the gates of your house, may we behold the glory and the majesty that you have prepared for us. Lord, I think about that feast that you prepared and you invited those who come in. Lord, give us the humility that we would sit down and we would behold you and adore you and listen to your word as this word is spoken to us and causes us to hold on to the promise that you made with us and to us. You are faithful, Lord. Help us to also be faithful to believe in what you have said. In your name we pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. What is important to God and what is important to the people who preach the gospel? Paul, an apostle, in parentheses, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Close parentheses. Verse 2, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. What is the gospel? The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we speak the gospel or when we preach the gospel, we preach Jesus Christ. The church proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ the same way we have received it. And that is, Jesus Christ is God. Jesus became a man incarnate in the flesh. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for our sin. Jesus Christ was buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus Christ was resurrected after three days and is alive. Jesus Christ will return. That's the promise. Jesus Christ, the second person in the Trinity, would come and be part of humanity and take our sins. That was promised before the foundation of the world. And then uh, more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to fulfill that promise. So we have a very solid track record of God's faithfulness throughout all the things that you read in the scripture has been fulfilled. Jesus Christ was crucified for our sin as it was promised in the Bible, and he did. And Jesus Christ was resurrected also was promised in the Bible, and he did. There's one part that is still in the state of promise, and that is he will return. Do you believe more than just what we sing, what we say? Do you truly believe that Jesus Christ will return? Because if you do believe Jesus Christ will return, then you will say it that you would tell people that Jesus Christ, the same Christ who died for our sin, will return and would take those who believe in him with him. That is the gospel. That is the gist of the gospel. Does the church, the body of Jesus Christ, believe in this word? Do you believe that Jesus Christ will return? Do you believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sin? And will you proclaim this truth? When you speak to people, 
when you speak to your friend, when you talk, you have a conversation with your friends, with your family, do you tell them about this truth? If it is the truth, then you would say it. Will you not? If you know something that is beneficial to someone, you would say it. You would tell them. Listen, I found something. You should know. If you believe it. Now, if we don't believe it, we will be ashamed of it. But if you believe, if the church, the body of Jesus Christ, believe in the gospel, we will declare, we will proclaim the gospel. And that's how we remember Jesus Christ. Because people talk about him. Because the apostles, the disciples talk about him. Look in the Bible. Read the apostles. What did they talk about? Who did they talk about? The Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else mattered. Only the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul warned the churches. He said, I marvel, in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed. You're so quickly distracted. There's so many bling in front of us that we are so distracted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. And we run after these other things that is so attractive. We must return to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Christ and Him crucified, the Apostle Paul says. I know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. Otherwise, there's no gospel. The church must believe in the intrinsic power, meaning the innate power of the gospel. We think that we have to convince people. We think that we have to say something that persuades them. But you know this. No one is convinced or persuaded by what you say. The gospel has intrinsic power, innate power, to save those who believe. I believe if I preach the gospel, God will save. That's it. That is what I believe. So if I preach the gospel and the gospel penetrate into that depth of your heart, the Holy Spirit will save you. How do we define the gospel? The gospel defended the purity, the apostle defended the purity of the gospel, meaning it's unadulterated. It is pure. In his opening remarks, we read, An apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. The fidelity of the gospel is the clarity in which it is expressed. If it's convoluted, if it's hard to understand, then it's not the gospel. The gospel is clearly expressing who Jesus Christ is and what he taught. The disciples and servants of the Lord had faithfully preserved the sound doctrine of this writing. Preaching and expressing the Lord, the church must continue this tradition when we articulate the gospel. The Apostle Paul begins with the authority. Who sent him? Who gave him the authority to speak the gospel? And the Apostle received the gospel. He preached it faithfully. And this is what he said. Paul, an apostle not of men, he was not sent by men. It was not the church laid hands on the apostle Paul and said, I will send you out there to preach a gospel. He said, no, that's not how it came to be. That's not how my apostleship is. The apostle says, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ. He was sent by God. The mandate, the person who sent him is not men. He does not owe his allegiance to men or church or anyone. He was sent by God to preach the gospel. And that was what he did. To the detriment of his health, to the detriment of his freedom, to the detriment of his life. He preached the gospel because he was not sent by man. There's no authority on earth that sent him to preach the gospel. It was God. And so the world hated 
Jesus Christ, hated the people who believe in Jesus Christ, and so he was persecuted in the same way that Jesus Christ was persecuted. Not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. There is the Trinitarian work in the gospel. And here, he qualifies who the Father is, who raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ is not dead. Jesus Christ is alive. This is the authority because if you are sent by someone who is dead, there's no purpose for your work. But Jesus Christ is not dead. He is alive. He's resurrected. Not of men, neither by man. The declaration of Paul's authority to find the tones of this letter. He went out and he declared so that you read this letter and the first thing you read in the letter that you receive, you can do one of two things. Agree, then go on and read it. Or disagree, throw it away. Jeremiah gave to the king. He read it. He didn't agree with it. So what did he do? Threw it into the fire. The Apostle Paul made it clear. If you are going to read my letter, you need to know the authority in which I wrote this letter. It's not from you. I'm not writing this letter to please you. Because you will read it and you won't like it. Because it doesn't come from men. It, will, it comes from God. And his ways are not our ways. By God's authority, Paul preached the gospel. The apostle learned and preached the gospel by the power of God's spirit. Not by the power of man, the authority of man, by persuasion or the eloquence. We said by the spirit of God. I preach the gospel by the spirit of God. The essence of the gospel, what is it? Paul states the gist of the gospel in the first sentence. By Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This is the essence. This is the gist. This is the kernel of the gospel. And that is Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Now if you listen to this and it has it made no relational or rational sense to you, you haven't come to know who Jesus Christ is. Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, the Apostle Paul says, your faith is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Everything you believe is in vain because one day you will die and there is no resurrection of the dead. So eat, drink, be merry for tomorrow we will die. That's it. That is the end of men. If there is no resurrection, there is no need for preaching the gospel. If I only teach you how to live your life, then you shouldn't be here. Study philosophy, sociology. You shouldn't listen to the gospel because the essence of the gospel is about someone who conquered death and that we will not be affected by death anymore. And that is the promise. You will die. But be not afraid. For God has conquered the grave. Christ's resurrection is the center of the gospel message. The apostle put it in the first sentence. Who raised him from the dead. We need to understand this. Otherwise, our words, our speaking, our whatever we share has no value to anyone. Because in the end, they can do the things that they do and we all die and that's over and that's it. The gospel is preaching Christ's resurrection. He is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. We know the gospel. You, in Awana, you know the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also receive. How that Christ died for our sins according to the gospel. The gospel begins and ends with Jesus Christ. It begins with Jesus Christ's incarnation and it ends with Christ's resurrection. This is the essence of the gospel. Your generation 
and the generation that comes after you will come into a new Christianity, and I don't call that true Christianity, that will take out the incarnation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and apply only his teaching, how to live a moralistic life. And that, my friend, is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. The gospel with the incarnation of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ taken out is not the gospel. You will die in that other gospel, and there is no resurrection for you. The gospel is about Jesus Christ's incarnation, die for our sin, and resurrection, and we have the hope in him. The gospel is what Jesus Christ did to save us. When the gospel is mentioned, this is the core message. Jesus Christ died for our sin. Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8, But made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ, God, Jesus Christ, who eternally existed, the second person in the Trinity, the word of God, the intellect of God, became incarnate, he put on flesh, walked this earth, humbled himself, and then died for our sin. Died for our sins. Why? Why did he have to die? The answer, because of your sin. Because of my sin. Because of our sin. There's a reason why. It was our sin that God became a man. It was our sins that nailed an innocent man on a tree. It was our sin that the Son of God died that day on Calvary. It was us. We put him there. That song you sung. I knelt down, hammer in my hand. The emphasis is on the act and the forgiveness of God. But I want to tell you, between the forgiveness, what happens before that forgiveness? It's our sin. We violated the sovereignty of God. We violated God. And for that violation, we will be judged. And that judge is eternal damnation. But if God is a vengeful God, like what the world has made him out to be, then Jesus Christ is not part of the gospel that we preach. But thank God there's Jesus Christ in the gospel. I hope Jesus Christ is in the gospel because Jesus Christ is the love of God. It tells a different story. It tells the God who loves us, who did not want us to die, even though we deserve it. But he sent his son. But then the church stays away from Jesus Christ, from preaching Jesus Christ. And then we are not preaching and teaching the love of God because Jesus Christ is the love of God. We know this verse, or these verses in Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our iniquity, our sin, that nailed him to the cross. We have transgressed against God. But the love of God is more profound than the depths of man's depravity. Nothing that you can do, nothing that you will do, exceed God's love for you. That is the message of the gospel. There's no crime that's so grave that Jesus Christ cannot forgive you, even to those who crucified him. He forgave them. That is the love. That is the love for the, of the one who promised you 
that he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Do you believe that? Do you believe in his love for you? We put our trust in so many insignificant things, and yet this is the most significant thing that we can put our hope in. But yet, we treat it with contempt. The death of Jesus Christ demonstrated that his love overcame ignorance. He died before we even were aware of his love for us. Hatred, sin, and even death itself. His love overcame all of that. And if we don't speak about that, if we don't preach about that, then how can you believe, how can people believe in the love of God for us? The apostle reminds the church that the gospel message, the grace of God, is bound up in the person of Jesus Christ. It's no one else. God did not send his grace to us directly. He sent his grace to us through Jesus Christ. So if we don't, the church, do not speak the gospel, do not preach the gospel, there is no grace. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ, who gave himself for sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We are in a state of fear, anxiousness. We don't know what will happen. The Bible, the Apostle Paul tells you, this is what God did. He gave himself for our sins that we might be delivered from this present evil world. You know, the things that happen on the outside in your life can only affect you if you let it inside. Peace comes from inside, not from the external things. God gives us peace to overcome the evil that's within us and outside of us from inside, not from outside. No other gospel. There is only one true gospel of Jesus Christ. It is according to the life of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That is the gospel. Luke reminded in the book of Acts, and this is what he said, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Of all that Jesus Christ began both to do and to preach. This is the gospel. The gospel is telling people, is preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, who he was and what he taught. That is the gospel. Any other teachings are not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul that the perversion of the gospel in verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Why do we pervert the gospel? And what does that mean to pervert the gospel? Perversion is taking something that is good and making it bad. That's what perversion is. Perversion is someone say something and you telling someone else that same thing, but you change it a little bit to make them look bad. That's perversion. Perversion of the gospel is taking what's pure and what's true about the promise of God and we change it so that people would like us a little bit more. Or we want to send people in the wrong direction. Perversion of the gospel is you know, or you might not know because you are ignorant of the gospel. And you think you know. I think that's the worst kind of perversion. You think you're doing the right thing, but you're actually perverting the gospel because you didn't care to know what the gospel is. And that's the worst kind, ignorance. Historically, humans do not want to hear from God because of our sinful nature. So if I talk about sin, people are 
uneasy. And so what do I do? I say about everything else except the things that make people feel uncomfortable. That's perversion. Why would Jesus Christ have to die if there's nothing wrong with you? Why would the Son of God have to come if there's no purpose for Him to come? Because there's many ways that will lead to God. That is the perversion of the gospel. But historically, we do that because we are afraid, because we know that there's a God who watches and knows everything. You're too young. You can't use that example. If you know God is watching, if you truly believe that, then your level of committing sin will be lessened. Let me read to you in Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. It speaks about where we are in relation to God, to listen to God. This is when the people were in the wilderness, and God says, prepare yourself, because tomorrow you are going to go and hear God speak. Well, they did, and they didn't like it when God spoke. And this is their response to Moses. And they said to Moses, speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. You see, we don't want Jesus. We don't want God to speak to us directly because we know the darkness of our heart, the sinfulness of our nature. How about your heart? What's inside? There are people who can't see, and we're okay. We're comfortable with that. You don't know what I'm thinking because you're just like me. I know you. But we don't know God, and we know our flesh, our mind, our heart. He can see through all of it. There's nothing hidden from God. And so we said, God, not, don't speak to us. Send, a, send someone, a man. But better yet, we'll send a man. We'll, we'll make our own prophet, and we send that prophet to us, and that prophet will speak to us. That is the perversion of the gospel. And that's why the apostle Paul said, no, no, you guys didn't send me. God sent me. I speak God's word. Just like the people with Moses. We don't want to hear God directly. Speak to us, and we will hear. But then when Moses spoke to them, did they hear? The depths of our consciousness, we know our works are evil before God. So we opt some other ways of reaching God. We want a different gospel. We want a gospel that makes us feel good. We want a golden calf that we can see, that we can worship. Because, you know, when we leave, it does not see us. It only sees us when we're watching it. Or to the new American idols. There are many new forms of golden calves today. What are you looking at on your screen? The internet has all kinds of stuff for you today. You, you don't run out of entertainment. And what happened is that it's increasingly becoming more violent and increasingly become more adaptive to your need for stronger stimuli. What that means is that your senses are becoming more callous you need more and more and stronger stimuli today to, to make you feel. So you get these people 
who give you these challenges, and these challenges becoming more and more aggressive. We are so quickly turned away from the truth because there are things out there that's more attractive that give us a sensation that we want to feel. The Apostle Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that call you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The church is the only place left, the bastion of the preaching of the true gospel. And if the churches don't preach the simple truth, we become just another drop in this increasingly aggressive stimulus world. We want stronger and stronger stimuli just to keep us entertained. Our attention needs something stronger, something more powerful to grab our attention. We need more potent stimuli today to keep us entertained because our senses have become dull to what we consider trivial. We want something that hits us in the face, knocks us over, like the ice bucket challenge. I want to feel something. I want to feel the ice in my head. Well, that, my friend, is pale in comparison to the salt and ice challenge today. That left kids with permanent nerves damage. We need to feel more now. The need to connect with other people. We've been locked down. The effect of the social impact in your lives, in the kids' lives, in the young people, in the adults' lives, we don't see it yet. But I will tell you this, we will see the effect of this on our society. So what do kids do? Young people, what they do, they need stronger stimuli. So they come up with these methods to feel the pain and to show the pain, record these challenges and show each other so that you can empathize, you can feel the pain with each other. It's a call for help. In 2015, there's a study published by the National Institute of Health. They concluded that college-age students, 18.74 years old, that's the average age, and they concluded that exposure to violent movies and videos and video games become emotional and physiological desensitization. This is a secular study. It's not a, a study from the church by the National Institute of Health. Let me read to you a quote. The results point to a diminished empathy and reduced emotional reactivity to violence as key aspects of desensitization to real-life violence and more limited evidence of psychological desensitization to movie violence amongst those who exposed to high levels of televised violence. We need stronger and stronger stimuli and the effect of that is we become more and more desensitized to violence. And we become desensitized to pain. And we become desensitized to our own pain. We desensitize to other people's pain. And the escalation of violence occur in real life. And when you think that things happen virtually, you shoot someone and then restart, they come back to life. And you think that happens in real life. 
And right now, in this climate of, of isolation, when you're alone, we need to feel and to be heard more profoundly than before, especially young people. The disconnection, the, the isolation is making this worse, and the internet becomes a place to feel, to be connected, and much of the things that you find on the internet is not the gospel. It's antithesis to the gospel. The bait of Satan, but I fear lest the serpent beguile Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. All that glitter, it will fade. The adoration that people praise you, that will end. When that rich young son, he spent all his wealth on his friends and harlots, they cast him to the swine. The devil lures you with the promise to satisfy your immediate desires. Once you taste it, the lust, you become addicted to this gratification. I want now this immediacy. You become addicted to that. When your phone dings, you got to pick it up. You got to respond. You're walking even throughout the house and people around, you don't see anyone. All you see is that show on your phone. You become addicted. You can't remove yourself. You don't know why or you, if you're even conscious of thinking about what you're doing. There was a time when there is, there's, there's no devices, there's no connection. People actually thought, think, ruminate through their minds. That, that word even a word that you understand anymore. You go through the process of your mind and think about things. Now, we're being force-feed with other people's lives. We live vicariously through other people. We laugh because they make us laugh. We cry because they make us cry. We can't have our own experience because we have the feel of experience through other people. We live vicariously. We live through other people. They set up the stage. They set up this environment. And they suck you in. And your life is consumed within this virtual reality that you don't know. And most people are not aware that they are consumed. They're just consumer. They're consuming other people's life as if it was their own. I'm living this. It becomes more and more real as you become detached from real life. You become more attached to the virtual life. The addiction becomes insatiable. We can't get rid of us out of it. You want drugs? They give you drugs. You don't have to buy them. You don't have to buy them. They'll give it to you. And that's it. That is the bait. And once you taste it, you come back. You sell your house, your kids, your cars, whatever it is, to get more. Because that initial attraction will get you hooked. And after that, they get your mind. Paul warns the church to not turn away from the simplicity of the gospel. It's simple. It's true. It survived thousands of years. This will pass. All this will end. I hope that after this is all said and done, we're still servants of Jesus Christ and not the devil. Because the simplicity of the gospel is hard. People don't want to hear it. You want to watch, you rather want to watch some show right now than hear me speak. And some of you are. The gospel is hard. Jesus Christ, when he spoke something they didn't agree with him, they all left. The corruption of the mind is the perversion of the gospel. When your mind is corrupted, when you no longer can think for yourself, you are now 
a bond servant. You are now bound to a master who will control you. But the Lord Jesus Christ sets you free. But with that freedom, you need to be bound to the Lord. But now you take your freedom and you feed yourself with these other gospel, and you become acquainted with Satan's bait, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. There is an active agent out there that's trying to draw you away from the gospel. And it's more attractive. It is much more attractive than what you're hearing right now. Guard your minds against Satan's craftiness. To recognize the gospel is to get acquainted with it. Nothing of value will not require time and effort and work. It's only the free stuff that will get you addicted on it. What is the true gospel? The centerpiece of Paul's message is the formulation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the church at Corinth. Let's look together. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1 through 3. I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Is the gospel. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Simple truth. That's the gospel. If you don't hear me speaking it, you got to tell me. You're not preaching the gospel. It stood the test of time. Jesus Christ and him crucified. We know the Apostle Paul. We know the Apostle Peter. We know the other people in the New Testament because they preach Christ. That's it. No other gospel than the one that we have received and been taught by the Apostle. In verse 8, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. If the apostle himself, the apostle Paul, show up here today, or even if an angel arrayed in some splendor appeared here in your midst and preached another gospel, you should excommunicate that person. That's what the apostle Paul says. There's no other gospel. There's nothing other than what you have heard and seen him and heard him preach. There's no other gospel beside that which was delivered. And we, as the church, must be faithful to deliver the same gospel throughout the ages to come. We need to commit to memory, stand under it. Do you realize the word understand means to stand under? And preach it. The gospel is not of men. In the day of the Apostle Paul, he was scorned. He got stone thrown at him, left for dead, shipwrecked, thrown in jail. At the end, left abandoned by his own countrymen and then murdered. Preaching the gospel is hard. People don't like you. But I determined one thing. I don't need you to like me. I need to be faithful to God. Because I would stand before God and God would ask me, did you preach my son? I don't stand before you. I don't answer any of you. Did you preach my son? Like the Athenians, nothing new today. The Athenians, this is what the Apostle Paul says. They want to hear some new thing. 
They want to hear some new thing. There's no new thing. There's the gospel and Jesus Christ which make you new. Not some new thing that you can latch onto that can transform you and make you into a new creature in Jesus Christ. Our minds is renewed day by day as the gospel penetrates into our consciousness. And we are renewed. We get bored because the new thing is outside of us and we keep chasing the new thing. But when the gospel is in us, he makes us new. We become the producer, not the consumer. We become the bastion of intellect, of creativity, because it comes from heaven into us. We're no longer consuming. We make things. That's the power of the gospel. We bring people into the kingdom of God. That is the power of the gospel. We bring heaven into view. We show the array of God's splendor and glory and majesty. God wants to make us new. Not cause you to chase after some new thing which you never can achieve. The Athenians, the Apostle Paul says, they want to hear some new thing. They always want to hear some new thing. They gather together to hear some new thing. But there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. You end up despair and isolated like we are today. All advances, all the technological advances now. Stay at home. Stay at home, kids. Six feet apart. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men, O God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Love this man. He's in his introduction and in his statement here, he wasn't sent by men. He doesn't owe his allegiance to men. He's sent by God. So if you don't like the Apostle Paul, it doesn't matter to him. He preached the gospel. That's what he does. Do I now persuade man of God? Do I seek to please men? I hope we all have and possess that attitude when we preach the gospel because they will reject you. They will reject you. They will scorn and they will say things that hurt your feelings. But I hope that we are not moved by our feelings. The gospel Paul preached was not meant to please men. The gospel does not attempt to appease the hearer to reap some kind of like adoration, heart. No. The gospel is meant to save you. The gospel has the power to save those who believe. The gospel is the power of God to convict the heart of the sinner and bend their knees in repentance. The gospel calls out to Jesus Christ for salvation. The gospel is the good news that God does not hate us. God loves us so much that he sent his beloved son. That is the gospel. And we hate him and we kill him and we crucify him. But then he rose from the grave and said, I still love you. The gospel is Jesus is not defeated in death. He has conquered the grave and ascended into glory. The gospel is this same Jesus who ascended into heaven will return with glory of heaven. The host of angels will return with him. And all those who trust in him, in his name, will enter into everlasting life. That's the gospel. Let's come to pray. Lord, we thank you for your enduring word. We thank you for men such as your servant, the apostle Paul. He was not persuaded, nor driven by the fear of men, nor by the persuasion of men. But he stayed true to the gospel. 
Cause this church, Lord, cause the church, your church, to be emboldened by the gravity of how sinful sin is. And that people would die eternally if they do not have the gospel. Help us, Lord, to see that it's more than just this surface that we look at. But there are cry for help and only satisfied by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, and may we be moved by the fortitude that you have given to us in preaching the gospel. And sometimes, Lord, even to the detriment of people liking us or listening to us, that we would preach the gospel, not hindered by our feelings nor by the likes of men, but by the mandate that you have given to us so that some might be saved. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for being with us throughout the ages, and you continue to be faithful. Cause us today, Lord, to come to that place of surrender and to bend our knees and to say, Jesus, would you help me? Would you help me to say true to the simplicity that is in you? I pray all this and for the church in the days to come that your grace might be a, abound where sin is abound, Lord, and that we would rise from the ashes of this altar and into the glorious beauty and in the glorious satisfaction in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and your resurrection and your love for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.